Hello and welcome to the Try Mechanics Try Smarter podcast. This is episode five. Welcome back to the Try Mechanics Try Smarter podcast. This is a very short bonus episode I just wanted to throw in. Just obviously continuing the theme of the nutritional side of things. I've been getting a lot of questions regarding the smoothie recipe, or the chunky as I like to call it, uh, that I tend to have on a daily basis. I've mentioned it a few times on a few other podcasts. And I just wanted to quickly take about 10 minutes to just go over what's actually in it and why those things are in it. Every ingredient in the smoothie, uh, or the chunky, is chosen, and the reason it's a chunky is also um, not by kind of default. There's a reason for that too. So firstly, why is it a chunky, not a smoothie? The primary reason it's a chunky, not a smoothie, is related to satiety. So the, the sensation that you feel full and that you don't feel like you need to eat. Often, when we uh, create a smoothie and make it completely liquidized, we are turning it obviously essentially into um, a liquid version of those calories. Now the issue with that is that our body senses the difference between liquids and solids very differently related to things like the filling of the stomach, um, also how quickly the stomach is emptying and the hormone effect on that. The issue obviously if you make a solid meal or what should be a solid meal purely into liquid that you could be taking a huge amount of, of energy, amount of calories. So, uh, you know, my smoothie or chunky is um, often in the region of between 500 and 1,000 calories. Um, but your body doesn't really sense it as that. The other thing is the terms of kind of gastric or stomach emptying. A, uh, a very, very smooth liquid can go through the stomach in a very short amount of time, maybe even less than 20 minutes, whereas solid food tends to stick around for a few hours. And it's these... Uh, these effects that actually guide whether it um, keeps you and how full it keeps you because of relation to uh, hormones that are released such as ghrelin and various other uh, satiety hormones. So that's why I make it chunky uh, as opposed to fully blending it. The second reason why I do that is because the faster you blend something, and this is an issue with faster bladed uh, blenders, the kind of Nutri Ninja which is what I use on the Nutri Bullets that put out 500 to 1000 watts, is that that speed and that destruction of those uh, various bits and pieces that you put in your smoothie can actually damage the structures, actually create oxidation. So this is something that has been studied and been looked into as to what tends to happen is that uh, as you increase that speed you actually generate a lot of heat around the blades um, and then this causes that oxidative damage. So a lot of people suggested whether you should be blending these things with ice cubes or various other things to keep it nice and cool. I actually help keep mine cool by putting in a, a small amount of uh, frozen banana, and I'll go through that in a second while I actually put in, and frozen peas. And that keeps mine nice and cool, but also if I only blend for about 10 seconds, then I get the chunky output, but I uh, don't blend it to complete paste that might cause oxidative damage. The other thing I like is that I, I like to actually have some tastes of those different elements going through. I don't like a completely homogenized mixture that essentially just tastes of the one thing that's the most powerful uh, flavored ingredient. I actually like to get a few little subtle tastes, and I think it's quite good for the, the brain and the body to actually get a few of those different tastes through. 
Okay, so that's why it's a chunky, it's not a, uh, not a smoothie. Now what's actually in it? So the base, there's a few different variations of what I do, but the base tends to come from a bit of homemade yogurt. So I tend to culture and make my own yogurt uh, at home. I use a base of a, a specifically chosen um, brand of yogurt that uh, has the right bacteria in that I want. Um, and then I use a probiotic at the same time to culture. The reason I make my own yogurt in my yogurt maker is because I like to use predominantly unhomogenized Jersey milk. And you don't tend to get that in a lot of the commercial yogurts. They tend to use uh, regular milk. You don't really know the origins. Um, and I like to have essentially that, that unhomogenized Jersey milk because I think it's the most healthy and beneficial. Um, but also by culturing my own, I get to choose the, the essentially the bacteria I want to grow in it. So. I tend to use the, the Onken brand because actually it doesn't have something called Lactobacillus bulgaris in it. Now, Lactobacillus bulgaris is in most yogurts and it forms a lot of histamine or produces a lot of histamine. And actually that can promote uh, reactions to histamine. So in people that are a little more sensitive, but also the thing about histamine is, is uh, the reason we have often a lot of kind of mild allergic reactions is we just have too much histamine around. Now it's often a, a bit of a threshold. You can often deal with a certain amount of it, but you go over a certain amount. So you, you essentially exceed that threshold and then you start getting problems. So I like to try and reduce um, every opportunity I can really to move away from things that cause histamine. And the bacteria in the gut are a big part of that. So I tend to culture the Onkin yogurt because it has a good amount of bifidum, uh, like kind of bifida species, and a nice balance between the lactose that kind of lactobacillus acidophilus type and the bifidum. So that's why I make my yogurt and that forms a lot of the base but also I tend to put a bit of coconut milk in there as well for the medium chain fats that come from coconut that are also very beneficial, help your body produce ketones uh, which we've I've been learning about today the intrinsic relationship of ketones to signaling and generally producing a few ketones from things like coconut oil, MCT oil is a very good thing. Also tends to have a little bit of coconut oil, it, coconut, coconut oil in it as well. Then it has greens and various vegetables. So I don't really go down for the, the fruit side of things. I think too much fructose, um, anything over than one piece of fruit I think is a little bit too much. It's sugar. It causes that obviously overstimulation, that sweet response. But I also think as humans we were never designed to eat a lot of sugar all year round. Fructose is an interesting one. Uh, a lot of people think it's completely inert and it's a better sugar for you to use. I guess if you're comparing kind of glucose and fructose in terms of the effect on the pancreas, then fructose is less. However, fructose, as soon as it's taken into the body, is transported to the liver to be changed into something else. That often is a good sign that we are detoxifying something and that it's not uh, something we can actually use in most of our cells and we have to change it to something else. Fructose can be used, as I mentioned before, towards the end particularly of long-distance endurance events, but I really don't think it should form a staple of our life, particularly not all day, every day. And I think people often eat fruit to excess when actually you can get more benefits from vegetables and more vitamins and minerals from vegetables without that, uh, essentially, that overload of fructose. So I tend to keep my fruit relatively low. Um, however, it does have a small piece of um, banana in it that's often frozen. The reason that is because I buy green bananas um, very the greenest bananas I can find and then I freeze them in small segments. The reason I do that is because they green bananas are high in resistant starch, a starch which doesn't get absorbed by us. It goes on to the next part of the gut and helps feed beneficial bacteria. So it's a very, very good thing to include in your diet. So I and I like the taste as well. So I've always liked the kind of taste of bananas, so that goes in there too. So we have that base 
of kind of coconut milk, yogurt, and possibly a little bit of Jersey milk. And then we have a bit of uh, banana in there too. I also throw in some green peas. Um, I like the taste of green peas. It's good, nice freshness. Plus I'm starting to get some vegetable based uh, carbohydrate in there too. Tend to keep my carbohydrate, ten, uh, the intake relatively low, particularly in the day. And that's why I get all my carbohydrates uh, from vegetables, particularly in the day. So there's green peas in there as well, because I like the, the flavor, but also they keep things nice and cool. So they stop that little bit of that oxidative damage. So, and the other greens I tend to put in there, I tend to normally put a mixture of spinach, a little bit of spinach, a bit of kale, um, possibly some broccoli or something similar. So, and some, uh, I like different cabbages. If we can get some Nero, the very, very dark cabbage, then that goes in there too. Um, but essentially anything green. I also normally put a bit of celery in there, a bit of insoluble fiber, which is an, again a good thing. These can be interchanged, but I would always try and get a bit of something like spinach in there. I tend to steam my spinach and kale before I put them in because that helps make them a bit more available for the body to break down, but also reduces some of the blocking things that are in uh, those green vegetables that can actually block uptake of minerals. With that in mind, there's also a small amount, half a calcium tablet that I put in there. Very small amount of calcium. It's not designed for me to absorb because I have almost uh, enough, well, I definitely have enough uh, calcium in my diet through a bit of dairy, through a bit of bone broth and various other things that you tend to get calcium through. Um, so I don't actually need the calcium, but I do it because what it does is it actually helps bind some of those, what they're called phylates in those green vegetables and that means that they don't then block uptake of other minerals that I might take through with the smoothie. So that's the kind of green side of things. I often put a little bit, today's one had a little bit of beetroot in it sometimes, a little bit of semi-cooked beetroot. Normally a carrot gets chucked in there as well, again getting a bit of those carbohydrates uh, from the uh, vegetables. And generally any, pretty much any vegetable will get, will get thrown in there. Um, anything depend on what's in the fridge. So I like to get a good range, good range of different colours. Sometimes a kind of red pepper might get thrown in there. Sometimes a bit of tomatoes and various other vegetables. And again, I like to really err on the side of vegetables. Now the other one of the other major things in there is an avocado. Um, an avocado is a fantastic thing. It's as close as, as you can get really to a superfood. It has a lot of monounsaturated fats. It's fantastic for balancing hormones. It's something that is really quite interesting is that actually they've started giving out avocados at IVF clinics in the States because they found that it seemed to improve IVF uh, success rate. And this could simply be because of the monounsaturated fats in there are very available and they're very good. They, they form part of the building blocks of our, of our hormones, particularly our sex hormones, so our testosterone, estrogen, and various other sex hormones. So avocado is a fantastic thing to get in there every day. The problem with an avocado is I often find that they only have a, a day or two when they're optimally ripe to eat on things like salads. And I buy a lot of the small packets of avocados, so you buy a kind of pack of five or six in the kind of bumper pack. And these small avocados seem to be even more susceptible to that. So I put them in smoothies because in a smoothie it doesn't matter too much if they're not perfectly ripe. So that goes in there as well. I tend to put a few, sometimes a few nuts and seeds in there. I like to have a couple of Brazil nuts in there to give a bit of a bit of selenium. Brazil nuts mostly are from Bolivia now, so they don't have as much selenium as they could do or they used to when they came from Brazil, but they still have a little bit in there, so that's good. So putting a few Brazil nuts in there, sometimes a few other nuts, sometimes a little bit of cashew nuts or some almonds as well. A little bit of fiber coming through that. Again, nuts and seeds are quite good sources of various vitamins and minerals like magnesium, and various other uh, vitamins uh, such as say magnesium, zinc. So they're, they're very good at uh, bringing in a bit of those in, but it's a very natural way as opposed to taking a supplement. So they normally go in there too. 
again, the scientists think that there are some essentials to this, but there's some bits and pieces that depends on what I've got kicking around. So I have a few of those nuts and seeds thrown in. Then I get onto the spices. Now, I'm a big proponent of using anti-inflammatory spices as much as you possibly can. So I tend to cook with a lot of turmeric, a lot of cinnamon, a lot of ginger as my kind of base spices for rub dishes we have because they're very anti-inflammatory, they're very good for the gut. Um, they help dampen down the, the direct inflammation in the gut, but they also absorbed and help uh, keep our kind of systemic inflammation under control. And that's an issue with a lot of diseases, that kind of systemic inflammation. So the, each smoothie has about a teaspoon to a tablespoon of, of Ceylon cinnamon. That's quite important. If you're buying cinnamon, make sure it's Ceylon. It's worth paying extra on getting proper Ceylon cinnamon simply because most cinnamon, um, regular cinnamon, is actually casea, not cinnamon. Casea actually has a toxin in it, which is generally okay in low doses, but in high doses, in terms of having a teaspoon and tablespoon a day, it can actually accumulate and can cause damage to the liver. So it's definitely worth getting hold of real Ceylon cinnamon. So real cinnamon is Ceylon cinnamon. And getting hold of a few bags of that is relatively cheap if you buy it online and it's definitely worth having. So a bit of cinnamon goes in there. Cinnamon also improves blood sugar control, which is obviously quite important. So a bit of cinnamon in there, let's say ginger again and turmeric, they tend to form that mix. Also a little bit of cocoa powder as well. Cocoa powder is a fantastic antioxidant, so that'll go in there. I also sometimes put a bit of raw cacao powder in there as well if I've got some kicking around. The other thing that goes in there is chia seeds. Again, great source of both protein and various other um, plant-based omega-3 acids. They're not fantastic for the, hum the essentially animal-based ones, they're actually the ones we tend to need. So I tend to have a fish oil supplement, obviously not really throwing that in there because I don't think it would taste very nice. I tend to put a little bit of supplementation there. At the moment I'm using a few adaptogenic herbs, so that's something you can try things like ashwagandha, rhodiola and ginseng uh, are quite popular and that it boosts a little bit of boost of energy. It also has some green tea in there too. So I, I'm a fan of green tea in terms of what it can offer, but I'm not a particularly big fan of the taste. So I tend to put green tea in there um, just to uh, form part of that base, the kind of liquid base. Um, but I also tend to throw in the leaves too. Um, the other thing that go in there at the moment is a bit of holy basil, holy basil leaves. Again, um, a very potent adaptogen and helps uh, regulate the adrenal uh, essentially function and those things like cortisol levels. So they start to form, that's starting to form the, the base. Protein sources in there tends to be eggs and whey protein or pea protein. I tend to prefer using a bit of pea protein, particularly early in the day, because whey protein causes a big insulin response, which is something I do try to avoid earlier on in the day. Now eggs, the key thing about eggs is I put them in there semi-cooked. So what I do is I very slowly fry them um, so they don't crisp up and burn, but so that the white cooks and the egg yolk isn't cooked because that means you get the, the benefits from the egg yolk, things like the cholesterol not being damaged. When you overcook an egg yolk, when it's fully cooked, the cholesterol is oxidized and actually quite damaging. So it's best to have your egg yolks pretty much uncooked. Okay, all the vitamins and minerals and things in there that you want are more available. But the egg whites, actually, if you don't cook egg whites, they can actually not, they're not only not very available in terms of a protein source, but they can actually block other proteins and particularly proteins in the egg yolk. So it's good to cook the whites. So I, Gently cook the, the eggs so the whites cooked, and then they go in there too. The other protein source, let's say, tends to be either a bit of whey protein powder because whey protein is very high in certain amino acids that are very beneficial for muscle building, but also for cognitive function and various other aspects as well. So I think a good whey protein is a good thing to put in there. But again, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to make it up to about 30 to 40 grams of protein, which is about optimal for switching on 
the um, essentially rebuilding kind of process within the body, but not overdoing the amount of protein that's in there. Um, again, you've got to remember that you're going to be eating this probably relatively quickly, so you don't want huge amounts of protein going in in one big, big go unless you've just done a big kind of heavy weight session. Um, and particularly if you're an endurance athlete, that may not be the right thing. So those are the, the tends to be the, the kind of protein sources, along with a bit of the yolk from the yogurt and a bit from the possibly a bit of milk and other little bits and pieces that tend to go in there. So those that tend to form the main kind of bulk of the things that I tend to put in there. Um, that you get a good range of fats, you've got a good range of proteins and a little bit of carbohydrate. Now, if you've got, if you're having a bit more carbohydrate, you can put a few oats in there. Um, you could put something, sometimes I put a bit of sweet potato in there, either raw or uncooked, and a bit of squash sometimes goes in there just to give it a different balance and different flavours. But that tends to cause, or that's that, that's the, the basics behind that smoothie, that's the basics behind all the bits and pieces that are in there, and, and they tend to form that other, the kind of adjunct to my diet in that that gives me a good overall spectrum of those bits and pieces, and then later on the day I can eat, I'll eat things like salads and lean proteins, uh, to gain the other parts of my diet as well. So hopefully that's given you a quick overview. If you, I'll try and write and actually list down of ingredients down in the show notes or on the Instagram page um, to try and show what you need to do um, and what ingredients you need to go in there. Thank you very much for listening and I'll speak to you soon.